Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Matthew. We are going to continue today with the United States money supply, the supply of the dollar. We're going to continue with base money, the monetary base, which is located on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. And we're going to compare that with historical gold reserves of the United States. All right, so we're going to come back to this topic very often. The monetary base, base money, outside money, the money that the central bank prints versus historical money, which everybody knows, even a child knows, is gold and silver and possible future base money, which is Bitcoin. Um, but for this episode today, we're going to take a look at a concrete view of the United States monetary base, which we covered yesterday in the last video. And we're going to layer in uh, the asset side of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, specifically the gold portion of the United States Federal Reserve's balance sheet, the gold assets that the Federal Reserve holds. Remember, the monetary base, any type of money that a bank issues, whether it's a central bank or any bank, it's always a liability. The monetary base is a liability. Your bank deposits, your checking accounts, savings accounts, time deposit accounts, they are all liabilities on the bank's balance sheet to you. They are your asset, but they're a claim. They're your asset, your claim on the bank's balance sheet. They're the bank's liabilities to you. So anytime we talk of money, this is fiduciary media. It is a liability on the bank's balance sheet, be it a commercial bank, credit union, thrift, uh, even a non-banking entity uh, that engages in M3 type money, or in the case of the central bank, uh, the monetary base. That is a liability on the bank's balance sheet. Remember, assets equal liabilities plus equity, and the monetary base is the largest liability, typically almost the size of total assets, but it's the largest liability on the central bank's balance sheet. And unlike bank deposits, the monetary base is a special type of liability because it can be created ex nihilo by the central bank. And since 1971, there is no statutory reserve requirement to hold gold um, so it's a special type of liability, the monetary base, and it's also known as central bank money, state money, so on and so forth. So that's what we're going to cover today. This is the same chart that we looked at yesterday, the monetary base. Remember from about this period, mid 2010s, uh, the central bank of the United States has a huge liability that has grown to over two trillion dollars two and a half trillion dollars worth which is the reverse repurchase facility basically it's repurchase agreements again liabilities from the federal reserves perspective it's basically base money for non-banks money market funds in particular uh, that can hold repurchase agreements but we're not going to address that here. This is just the officially defined to this day, as of this recording, monetary base of the Federal Reserve of the United States ending December 2022, $5.4 trillion. 
And what was it in... Uh, let's go to the beginning here, if I can get it. January 2018. It's hard to find it on the mouse. There we go. $4.9 billion. January 2018. The Federal Reserve opened their doors in 2014. So, remember, this is a liability on the central bank's balance sheet, and it is indeed the main monetary liability of the central bank. If I asked you how much gold have they held over the years, what do you think it would be? 100%, 90%, 80%, how much gold would they have recorded on their balance sheet over the years? The answer is complicated. It's wrapped up in geopolitical issues. It's wrapped up in the fact that during World War II and leading up to World War II, most of Europe's gold fled Europe because of tyrannical Hitler and tyrannical Stalin. Remember, gold is, uh, is a unique metal. It doesn't tarnish, doesn't corrode. Um, the gold in your wedding ring could be the same gold of an Egyptian pharaoh. Gold is a unique metal. That's why it served well as money over the millennium. So the same gold that was in many European empires and then democracies, governments uh, at the turn of the 20th century, uh, but the same gold that was in Europe for centuries fled uh, to Canada, to the United States, to the Caribbean for a time, but mostly to New York, mostly to the New York Fed, fled Europe in the late 30s and during World War II. So the United States had an influx of gold. Um, I hasten to say, though, some of that gold was earmarked specifically like a bailment. That means the possession was transferred, but not the right to use or to rehypothecate or to make loans on. Uh, so many, many nations, uh, that was the case. Their gold went into the United States, and the United States didn't have the right to use that gold. But in many other cases, and as we learned in many videos that we've done already, specifically after the Bretton Woods Conference, a lot of the gold that uh, went into the United States' coffers at the end of the 30s, start of the 40s, uh, and led to the creation of Bretton Woods, which was the gold exchange standard, meant that uh, specifically after the dust had settled, after the horrible World War II, and Eastern Europe was uh, carved off basically from the Western free nations, uh, what happened primarily with Western free nations, but also the Soviet Union in some way, shape, or form, is that if they wanted to trade uh, and do international payments, they would do so with dollars. And then if they really, really wanted to uh, reclaim their gold, they could go to the United States and uh, repatriate that gold. But that, in practice, never happened during the Cold War. And you may remember some stories. Uh, the Netherlands, Germany in particular, finally did reclaim some of their gold. Uh, last decade, from 2013 to uh, 2017, most all of their gold. It took four to five years, uh, but the United States did return uh, Germany's gold that had uh, left West Germany's gold in particular, uh, that had gotten out of war-torn Europe during uh, the Hitler times. That, um, that gold was repatriated to Germany. Uh, last decade. And many other countries, the Netherlands, have done that as well, um, trying to bring some of the gold back out of the United States' coffers. So what I'm about to show you here is specifically gold that the United States Federal Reserve 
claims is an asset on its books, and it's going to be measured in United States dollars. You can see it's not very much. If you look to today, this is at market price, by the way, um, $473, $474 billion worth of gold reserves held in the Federal Reserve today. That's on the asset side of their balance sheet, whereas the monetary base is a liability. One small footnote as well. Uh, the monetary base includes notes and coins. Um, coins are not on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. That's uh, part of the United States Treasury, the United States Mint. But I'm putting it there nonetheless. Coins have always been a small component, even when they were 90% silver uh, before the 1960s, of course, because we didn't have such price inflation. Silver and gold were valued in much smaller units. Regardless, coins were a small part, but I am including that here, even though that's not specifically on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. So just a small note. But nonetheless, when we want to talk money, when we talk money that's reserved, or even dare I use the word backing, quote backing, um, today, today, there is $474 billion worth of gold on the United States' books. This is market value. We'll talk more about this. And five point four trillion dollars of base money that the Federal Reserve has created throughout its existence. Let's just zoom in here from after uh, Bretton Woods started to the beginning of the time series, which is just a little bit before the end of World War One. Remember, another thing that's not on the time scale here, the, uh, the timeline, is uh, the classical gold standard basically fell apart as well here um, during World War one. So the classical gold standard didn't even last 50 years. That was an international arrangement of most European banks, some Asian banks, um, and Latin American countries, which basically they went off of silver. Remember, the United States was on a silver standard during its founding. The dollar was actually defined as 375 grains of silver, I believe. It's like 80% of an ounce. The United States was on a silver standard for about 100 years. And then it wasn't until the 1870s where the United States switched to a gold standard, albeit a very poor gold standard because it had biometallism. Gresham's Law, we remember Gresham's Law happens when uh, you have, uh, that's bad money drives out good, but it only occurs when you have legal tender laws. So Gresham's Law occurred in the late 1800s and also led to a lot of uh, problems with small change in money because uh, silver and or gold at certain times was being overvalued or undervalued relative to the other. We talked about this a little bit in our gold and silver ratio videos. Do check those out. Uh, and we'll revisit this topic plenty of times as well. Nonetheless, here we are. Let's go back to the very, very beginning here. $4.9 billion monetary base, January 1918, the oldest kind of most consistent data I have. Gold reserves, $1.7 billion worth of gold at market price at the time. So uh, not even half. Not even half. Um, basically, 40%. 40%. Gold versus the monetary base. See here, as World War II kicked off, there was an influx of gold into the United States. And again, this is United States-specific gold. There, there is more gold that was coming in even than this uh, to the United States. Gold that was earmarked you know, for, for Germany, for Norway, for the UK, uh, for Poland, lots of gold that came in uh, that was outside of this number even. A lot of gold came in the United States. This is only gold that is specifically 
relating to dollar type assets. So gold that surrounds the dollar. The United States is gold. And if if it came in and say it was another country's gold and it's counted as a part of this supply, then it was some sort of a swap arrangement where the, the country was happy to deposit the gold and basically take dollar reserve assets in exchange for the gold. But make no mistake, this is just United States gold. This isn't the world supply of gold uh, in central banks. This is just the United States' portion. Okay, so we see a big influx here and we see that it definitely goes over 100%. Uh, during World War II of the United States' monetary base. Let's reset the zoom. Let's go to uh, when the Vietnam War begins to where the Smithsonian Agreement ends. We've talked about this in earlier videos, but this was where Bretton Woods was basically active. It was on. Uh, you see gold reserves start to fall. They're falling. Falling, falling, falling here in dollar terms, where when the Vietnam War started, we had 21 billion dollars of uh of gold monetary base was 37 and a half billion dollars so a little bit more than 50 percent gold reserves gold on the asset side of the federal reserves balance sheet the liability side the main liability 37 billion dollars by the time we get to let's go kind of the, to the nadir here charles de gaulle a few other european nations were calling their gold back from the united states draining this gold by the way this is why it's falling it's falling here because they are calling their gold back. Uh, France is the big nation doing this. Uh, he stopped right around here, the end of 1968. There's only $10 billion worth of gold reserves, and the monetary base at this point is $60 billion. Now, if you have a, an international monetary order based on dollar-based reserves trading around abroad, but still underpinning those dollar-based assets, whether they be government treasuries or whatever, you still have this idea that there's supposed to be gold tied to the United States dollar in some way, shape, or form. And you're a foreign central bank trading around those dollar-based reserves, and you see that the gold reserves of the dollar itself has shrank to, from over 50% to under uh, one-sixth. So let's just do that math exactly. It should be 14%, something like that. 14%, 16%. Uh, so you've gone from... 50 plus percent to 15, 16 percent gold reserves, you might get worried. You might get worried. And that's indeed what happened. And then we get to here, August 15th, 1971, the Nixon shock. Uh, Nixon says this is a temporary measure, temporary measure, as they always do. He says that this is to preserve the integrity and the strength of the dollar, this is to preserve it. We're going to temporarily close the gold window, close convertibility from central banks around the world. We see that the gold reserves here, 17 billion in gold reserves. Monetary base is already up to 70 billion right now from 60 billion just a couple years prior. Uh, a temporary measure which has remained in place to this day. So this is when we went pure fiat from this point. Pure fiat. Now, gold does take off. Again, this is uh, based on the gold price. So remember, most economists thought that gold was going to go to zero here. Uh, they thought that gold was worthless. Gold was definitely going to go to zero. And of course, rhetorical statement, rhetorical question. We know what happened after that. Gold went to $80 an ounce by 1980, just a decade later. 
So that's a brief, brief history on the state of the gold reserves for the United States based in dollars. As the Federal Reserve reported them on their balance sheet, they report in the currency of uh, the sovereign, in the currency of the nation, in the currency of the realm, which is the dollar. They don't report them in ounces. Uh, you have to do a little bit more work, a little bit more research to back into ounces, but I do have that figure as well. So now I'm going to show actual ounces of gold just to give you a little bit of a different flavor. Uh, this is still going to be on the left axis here. So I was showing you billion dollars on the left axis. Now I'm going to show you million ounces, million ounces, which also will fit on the left axis here. So this is actual in its native form. How many gold ounces were on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet in the last 100 years? There we go. Let's even take off. Let's take them all off. Let's just look at it like that. So this is in ounces. All right, and we see this trend. Um, interestingly, note that even before the Gold Reserve Act was when FDR, uh, very quickly after coming into office, uh, 1934, basically made gold illegal for Americans and also devalued gold. Roughly three epochs, monetary epochs of gold here on this chart. Before the Gold Reserve Act, gold was $20 an ounce or $1 would get you 1 20th an ounce of gold, $20 an ounce. After the Gold Reserve Act, FDR devalued gold, uh, basically 75%, went from $20 an ounce to $35 an ounce. And that lasted until the Nixon shock. So gold was officially on the books of the United States and around the world, uh, defended basically. Uh, the peg was $35 an ounce. And then after, of course, the Nixon shock, gold Thankfully, Americans could hold and own gold again as property. Of course, you'd be taxed on it. It's very different from money. Um, but from here, we went into a, a free market period where basically gold would float again, uh, specifically around London, a lot more liquid gold trading, um, which had always occurred. Uh, the London Bullion Market uh, Association and uh, exchanges around London. So much to say about this. I just want to show you... Um, the trend here it's kind of interesting uh, some people think there, there were major bank runs that happened here during a lot during the great depression but the year before the passage of the gold reserve act 1933 uh major major bank runs that the united states had to figure out what to do fdic insurance was born during this time again the gold reserve act was passed a year later basically but notice gold in the United States coffers itself, namely on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, the central bank. Notice what's happening there. It's rising. It's rising. So that should actually give confidence to the nation's banking system. If gold in the central bank is rising during this time with our bank runs, why would that be? If, if it's important that we have, you know, this is, I'm, I'm playing a little bit to uh, fractional reserve uh, haters, full reserve lovers, gold bugs. Gold is rising here. Why would it be that there is such uh, uncertainty? Of course, we're in a Great Depression. I understand that. But why would it be if gold is rising on the books of the Federal Reserve? Why were these bank runs occurring? Well, for gold bugs that think that this was a fractional reserve problem, it certainly wasn't. The reason it was happening, the reason it was happening is because rumors were circulating that FDR coming into office is going to devalue gold. That's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. So it wasn't a people were standing in line to take money out of the banks 
Again, because the market figures this stuff out faster than the legislators. People understand that FDR wanted to devalue gold. He wanted to make gold illegal. Uh, these rumors were circulating. That's why the bank runs were occurring. In this specific case, in this specific case, it was precisely because the market was understanding, people were figuring out in the market that the United States might not honor the gold standard, and thus the bank runs. So that's what happened here. There were bank runs here, uh, you know, the year before the passage of the Gold Reserve Act. But, you know, it, it wasn't because of fractional reserve banking. You see gold reserves rising during this time. And then they continued to rise again as Europe's gold started to pour into the United States. This is not all of Europe's gold. This is just officially on the United States' books, um, you know, represented as part of the dollar's balance sheet, so on and so forth. Um, we get to uh, post Bretton Woods era where the United States is at peak gold, peak gold. 700 million ounces worth of gold were on the United States books at this point, 700 million ounces. And then the Vietnam War started and you can see where it literally went all downhill from there. Down, down, down. De Gaulle says, nope, I want my gold back. I want my gold back. And he actually stopped here. You see the gold uh, reserves bumped a little bit. Down again, down again, Nixon says, we're done with this. We're stopping. Uh, there's a little bit of an intermediary monetary epoch here where gold was devalued further. It went from $35 an ounce to $42 an ounce. The statutory official price, there was still a peg, although there was also a free market at this point. There was more of trading uh, of gold and not just like a, a peg because Bretton Woods had broken down, basically. That was called the Smithsonian Agreement. It was an agreement of 10 nations. Uh, it lasted just this period. Vietnam War ended here in 1975. Smithsonian Agreement ended here in 1976. And from there on out, we were done basically with gold as having any sort of connection to any nation's currency, except for Switzerland during this time, except for Switzerland. Um, no statutory requirements, really, from any central bank to hold gold, uh, most importantly, the United States. And from this point... United States lost a little bit of their uh, gold reserves here. And then they've just fixed this. They've left this at this number. It's 261. Uh, you see the numbers vary a little bit, but it's, it's 261, 262 million ounces of gold is the statutory figure that the United States has left on their books for the last 50 years. And what I'm going to show you, interestingly now, is we're going to value that both by the market and then by the statutory rate. And we'll see how that looks as a percentage. But um, this is an interesting story. You talk about Fort Knox, you talk about the New York Fed. Uh, many, many people claim that this gold has already even been sold. Alan Greenspan has made enough statements basically to say that, that central banks stand ready to sell gold should the price of gold rise. They don't like uh, the price of gold rising. That is a rebuking of their policy. Remember, gold is an inflation hedge. Gold is a sort of flight to safety asset. Uh, if the gold price rises too much, that is a rebuking of their fiat policies. So this is kind of weird. It is weird. Basically, it stayed the same. Apparently, nothing has happened to it. Fort Knox hasn't been audited in 50 years. Um, it is what it is. The United States apparently has this much gold uh, in its coffers. And again, this is the United States' gold alone. This is not... Uh, Germany's gold that they were reclaiming, right? That's a separate, that's a separate account. That's a separate uh, storage type of, uh, of, a, of an arrangement. That's more of a bailment. This was 
you know, the gold reserves that were backing the dollar after World War II and during the Bretton Woods Conference, and as we see what happened during Vietnam. So interesting to see it this way, right, in native ounces. Now let's put the monetary base back on in dollars. You see, it's harder to look at this, obviously, with the, with the dollars on. We'll just we'll leave it on for now, uh, the gold reserves and dollars. So we have dollars here, and then we have ounces as well, just seeing the tooltip, what, what is what. And then we have the gold reserves uh, market price. Let's put on this right axis, and let's compare how the gold looks uh, statutorily and at market pricing. So first, market. So this is going to show you the gold reserved uh, in dollar terms at market price. So we have $1,800 gold right now, been $2,000 gold here in 2011 and in 2022. Market price of the Federal Reserve's gold as they have defined it. The United States' gold, basically, as they have defined it. It's going to be a red dotted line. It's kind of interesting here. This is, again, quote, gold reserved at market price. So the dark shaded area here, all right, the 400, $300 billion gold, $400 billion gold, which you're taking that 261 million ounces, all right, as you see in the chart there, 261.5 million ounces, just multiplying it by the gold price. All right, it was $800 gold price here, okay? So you get um, gold reserves in 1980 of $165 billion. The monetary base was only $124 billion. So we were over 100% quote reserved of gold to the monetary base in 1980, precisely at the time when economists thought gold would go to zero. Certain economists, not all economists, certain economists. Um, so 130% here, and this is basically the highest it had ever been after the collapse of the gold exchange standard, after the collapse of the Bretton Woods Agreement, basically the dollar exchange standard, where the dollar is the, the last currency in the world that's going to have any connection to gold. Central banks around the world otherwise are going to trade dollars in the free market, of course, in the free world. Soviet Union is quite limited in that. This is, uh, this is interesting to see now. So first of all, draw your attention here. Obviously, the explosion of the monetary base after the global financial crisis, gold backing, quote backing or reserved uh, compared to the monetary base today, the Federal Reserve only has 8.8% uh, gold assets on their balance sheet compared to the money that they print, 8.8%. Uh, and this is roughly actually the same percentage that it looks like for the entire gold market. Remember I said that there's 1.1 billion ounces of gold uh, that central banks hold in the world collectively. The Federal Reserve holds 261 million, apparently. So roughly a little under 25% of the, of the uh, world total. This percentage is very similar, by the way. It, it was probably over 100% worldwide when gold was valued at $850 an ounce for two seconds on the world markets in 1980. And it was over 100% uh, reserved gold. And then it has fallen to basically six, seven, eight percent today. But look back during this period, which is more interesting because this is when gold had an official statutory connection to the dollar. All right. Specifically from this point and earlier, 1971 and earlier. Uh, 
it was at its peak here when gold, again, this bump, it, it flowed into the United States. So we were above 100% here. Not, not quite as high as the 1980. We were 130%. Well, we got to 120%. 120% by the Federal Reserve's own valuation. Uh, of course, gold was $35 an ounce here. It's also good to be the only game in town that can own gold here. Uh, remember, uh, private citizens, businesses could not even interact with gold. You had to have uh, special licenses involved in specific jewelry making or in dentistry to even have access to the gold market in the United States. So it's good to be the owner of gold at this point, uh, which they were when they revalued it, devalued it to $35 an ounce. Nonetheless, um, this set the dollar up actually for Bretton Woods. The, geographically, the United States was a safe place to store gold, and that's where it went. And that's where it went. Uh, but then, of course, again, we see after Bretton Woods, the gold just started to fall and fall, specifically after the Vietnam War started. It fell both nominally, as we saw, and it fell as a percentage of the monetary base to where when, when de Gaulle was done with his draining of gold reserves, uh, we were at 16.5%, 16.5% where before and during World War II, 120%. Just a massive crushing of what was supposed to be the fidelity of the dollar uh, based on an international gold, a gold standard. Even though it was a gold exchange standard, it wasn't a true gold standard. This was, you know, the last vestiges of a gold standard. But notice here as well, one more thing to point out here. Even during the Great Depression, uh, before the Great Depression, the Roaring Twenties, we will look at earlier data. Um, and this harkens back to an economist that I really like, George Selgin, who has studied this stuff a lot. This isn't rare. This isn't rare in markets to have gold reserves at 35, 40%. That's a typical number from earlier, uh, earlier research. But in free, free systems with no central bank, with no regulation, where the market is in full control, you could have gold reserves to outstanding deposits, i.e. bank money, no central bank involved. You could have gold reserves under 5%, a couple percent. This happened in Scotland uh, in the 1600s, 1700s. Uh, this happened in Sweden. This happened in Canada as late as the 1930s. Uh, these were free banking systems with no central banks. There were many other systems as well throughout the centuries that didn't have a central bank. Modern central bank, of course, Bank of England started uh, at the end of the 1600s. But for hundreds of years, some of these societies that Dr. Selgin, Dr. White, many other economists that uh, I appreciate and enjoy their research, talked about, we've interviewed them uh, on our show. For hundreds of years, you, you didn't need to have 100% gold reserved or even the more dangerous term backing, backing the state uh, currency of the realm. That's just, that's just a made up thing. That was never the case. Um, and don't infer here, like I said, when there were bank runs and the Gold Reserve Act started, there literally were bank runs right here. And what's happening to the gold reserve ratio? It's climbing. There should be faith restored in the currency here. But the reason, of course, had nothing to do with this. It had nothing to do with gold. It had to do with the fact that, well, it had to do with gold, but it didn't have anything to do with the backing. It had to do with the fact that FDR was rumored to want to break uh, the gold standard and that's exactly what he did 
that's exactly what he did. So the market is always a more trustworthy barometer to look at things rather than uh, any government entity. Uh, for sure, we can see that a lot. And even when governments try to do this, they say, look, all right, look, basically, I forget the exact percentage. It's well over half the world's gold of all the central banks is in the United States. Again, that's not just here. That's not this 622 million ounces. It's much more, actually. Is in the United States at this time. At this time. After World War II. This was basically the United States' chance to shine as an international uh, beacon of contract law and all the rest. Of course, they had already failed in this 20 years prior, uh, 10 years prior with FDR. But, um, of course, they didn't do it all right, for the next 30 years during this, you know, this Bretton Woods era where we had this gold exchange standard. Gold both nominally in the United States and as a percentage of total reserves just fell and fell and fell because they were spending a lot on the Vietnam War. The deficits kept growing. The national debt kept growing. And gold keeps you in check from that. And the French, as they do, uh, they kept the United States in check. And that brought an end to the gold exchange standard. So it's pretty interesting here. Now, one more thing I'm going to put on. Um, again, we're roughly looking at $20 gold here from 1934 to 1971, $35 gold. Then a brief period, the Smithsonian Agreement of $42 an ounce, $42 an ounce, where the market kind of honored it, but not really, um, to where by 1980, the market was saying $800, $850 an ounce for a couple seconds. And uh, statutorily, statutorily, $42 an ounce has remained. So let's take the statutory value now measured in dollars and let's take that percentage divided by the monetary base. It's going to be a black dotted line. There it is. So you see, basically, they shared the same ratio, the market uh, quote backing and the statutory backing uh, up until the end of uh, Bretton Woods. From this point, you see that they. this is where it changes. This is where there's a free market price in gold. So... If it's true that the United States really did have 271 million ounces of gold at this point on their books as an asset, that would have been 132% of the balance sheet. But if you look down at that black line where it is statutorily, if you only valued the gold at $42 an ounce, it's only 9% of the balance sheet. And then of course, if you go down, and this is what the Fed continues to this day in dollar terms, they're only measuring it in dollars. It's just a fixed dollar line item across the page. And I'm not showing that on the chart here, but I will uh, find it for you just one second. It's $11 billion, $11.037 billion. That's the, that's the dollar balance here, which obviously if you compare that to the trillions of dollars of monetary base money liabilities that are outstanding from the Federal Reserve, as you can see as a percentage, you're going from sharing basically the market the market percentage here at the end of the 60s after de Gaulle had done his uh, his handiwork all the way down to here just the United States just valuing it $42 an ounce just because they don't want to even deal with it uh, we have 0.1% statutory gold backing right? and if they really do have 261.5 million ounces of gold in their coffers which haven't been audited in 50 years it would be 8.7% backing 
So pretty interesting chart, I think. Uh, this shows the relationship really uh, with historical base money and new base money. This is it right here. This is the breakdown of historical base money, i.e. gold, which was literally and figuratively flowed into and centered around the United States dollar after World War II. Kind of worked for 30 years. The Vietnam War brought that to an end. Charles de Gaulle, uh, many other central banks brought that to an end to where now we have a pure fiat standard. Gold does float in the market. It does have different prices. Uh, but but look, even, you know, you see that we're 130% with $800 gold. Now, gold isn't that much more expensive. Now, I mean, relatively, considering Bitcoin, for example, the change in the price of Bitcoin, gold is $1,800 an ounce, roughly, at the end of 2022. But as a percentage, the red line now, focus on the red line, it's down and down and down. All right, the, the dark green shaded area is the gold at market price here. The balance sheet has exploded. Right. And this isn't even all of it. Remember, the reverse repo facility, repos from the Federal Reserve's perspective, you're at $8 trillion. $8 trillion central bank money. Um, but if you only look at the official monetary base count, that's 8.8% uh, gold backing or reserved to the currency today. So last point I just want to say, and I will say this a lot. I'm going to quote Dr. Selgin here. He actually said this during a debate with uh, Bob Murphy in 2018. Quote, it's overwhelmingly clear that the least regulated banking systems of the past, including ones without central banks particularly, performed very well as far as the frequency of crises. So that's what I'm getting at here. Uh, I'm not getting at more regulation I'm not getting at more gold regulation as part of the United States dollar. I'm simply getting at uh, more freedom, more market power, less state power when it comes to our money. And we can see that the history of the United States dollar in particular has shown precisely the opposite in the last 100 years.